0: coming to you from the foot of the majestic rocky mountains denver colorado it's the savage cast a savage worlds podcast brought to you by the rocky mountain savages here are your hosts chris savage Mummy fox and christopher savage bull landauer
1: Hey folks, it's been a while. Last time we talked, we had yet to embark on the greatest Savage Worlds event ever, the Savage Cruise. The world was a more simple place where the greatest cruise controversy was the fact that the boat we were about to set sail on ended up rear-ending another boat due to high winds a few weeks before we left. And since uh, cruise ships have become plague ships, the global economy is ground to a halt, and we're full-on in presidential election year political theater. We are a get-together-with-your-friends-and-record-live kind of show in person, and that just hasn't been practical this year due to the pandemic, but we haven't pod faded. In fact, we've been rather busy figuring out how to bring folks together virtually and keep our vital hobby of gaming going during these strange times. We are actually working with Pinnacle as the Savage Worlds official events crew, supporting conventions who have mostly gone online with organization and promotion and developing a means to recognize players and game masters who run Public Savage Worlds events. To that end, we'd like to invite you all to PEG's first in-house online convention, Halloween, spelled H-O-L-L-E-R-W-E-E-N, taking place at the end of this month of October 2020 over the Halloween weekend. We are celebrating hometown boy Tim Early's upcoming setting, Holler, and Appalachian Apocalypse, which Pinnacle has scooped up as an official Savage Worlds setting, coming to Kickstarter imminently. Halloween will feature 40-some Savage Worlds games, from Rifts to Deadlands to post-achocalyptic Willy Wonka to Terminator, Fantasy, Paranormal Mysteries, all things Savage Worlds, with a particular emphasis on horror and Halloween-flavored goodness. Uh, Players and Game Masters can get their badges free with discount code FREE, F-R-E-E. At tabletop.events. Just search for Halloween. Game submissions are still open, and we do want some more games. So, and half the games that we uh, have now are full, uh, full up and sold out. So, do act fast, um, submit games, and grab your tickets. Uh, we'll have a link in the notes to the tabletop.events uh, site. In addition to online Savage Worlds games, we're hosting interactive panels. There's a Ghost and Horror Stories panel on Thursday night for real and gaming-related horror stories. Uh, We also have a PEG Q&A seminar to get all your questions answered, a holler panel uh, to question Tim and crew about uh, what to expect from the upcoming holler setting, and the amazing folks at the Wild Die podcast are joining us for a live panel that will also be Twitch-streamed with John Goff talking about Deadlands, So, uh, speaking of Holler, we actually had the chance to host and produce a pinnacle all-star playtest of Holler, the Baden Mountain Tunnel Adventure, run by Tim Early, featuring Shane Hensley, Daryl Hayhurst, Tracy Sizemore, and Jess Rogers. It's a hell of a game session, coming in under two hours, so you can definitely catch it on your ride to and from work. You can watch it now on Peg's YouTube, or join us tonight, October 13th. At 5 p.m. Central on Peg's Twitch channel to uh, enjoy a live watch party. And uh, links will also be in the notes for that. So join us for Halloween, check out the actual play, and for the rest of this episode, enjoy a revisit to our interview with Tim Early to get you guys in the holler mood. Stay safe out there and get back to gaming. It's absolutely an essential activity. savages on the phone we've got tim early author behind the upcoming savage world setting the holler how's
0: it going tim
2: great how are you guys doing
0: doing good and he, he always he keeps forgetting to add the the best part of this an Appalachian apocalypse an Appalachian <laughs> that that to me that just that that is, is, is in evocative and it kind of pulled me in just that tag right there oh it's
1: fantastic nice. so before we get to your setting um tell us a little bit, bit about yourself where'd you grow up how'd you get into role-playing how'd you get into savage worlds
2: well, I grew up in western North Carolina, so I'm from Appalachia. Um, a lot of my family worked in textile mills and, and other blue-collar work, which sort of fed into uh, me wanting to do a setting based on those things. Um, I started playing Dungeons & Dragons when I was 10 years old, which would have been 1982, and played mostly AD&D until I was about 16. And was obsessed with it. And then I fell away and I didn't play for, gosh, a quarter of a century. <laughs> I was I was 42, just moved to Denver, had a friend out here that said uh, on her bucket list she wanted to play D&D. And I was like, well, I can probably manage that. So I got the fifth edition books, started running a little campaign. And so that was four years ago. And I've just been getting deeper and deeper back into the hobby since. And I was playing mostly powered by the apocalypse games, really narrative-based games. And then I went to Genghis Khan um, this past February and saw the, the Savage presence and all the Savage games being run. And I actually played in uh, Scott Woodward's Woodard's, um, Flash Gordon game, which was uh, excellent. You chose and, well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was an amazing game. He had a, a little green flashing time portal that we all stepped through uh, at one point. Um, and so it was so much fun, and I loved the the, the aching dice and sort of the flexibility of the system, and uh, just sort of how big and bold it is.
1: Yeah, we and, should mention that the uh, they got an Origins Award nomination for that setting. So congratulations to Scott Woodard and crew, including our our local David Boop, who's on Tier thirteen with us. They uh, they pulled in an Origins nomination, and uh, so if you're going to Origins and you're a voter, be sure to stop by and vote for. Uh, Flash Gordon, because that's some good stuff. So yeah, Definitely. the uh, yeah, we're, we're glad to finally have you out in the in the in the crew. And um, so what what makes Savage Worlds uh, different, better, more exciting? Why'd you pick Savage Worlds to write your setting in?
2: I'm, I like so many of the settings associated with it. Like it, it can handle something like the goon, which is just like over the top zombie noir that swings like from like comedy to tragedy and it it just uh, is able to encapsulate all that I like the big dramatic swings uh, that happen in gameplay um, I like the, the the amount of crunch feels like you can be a little tactical and granular but it's not unwieldy it's, it's a very sort of smooth crunch I guess and so um, also really like the Ripper setting uh fell in love with the Flash Gordon setting. So I was seeing all these these cool things that people were doing with the system. And so I just started running games. And I've been running uh, East Texas and Rippers Resurrected since Genghis Khan. And I was like, yeah, I think this is the system I want. And my players um, are having more fun playing Savage Worlds, I think, than than the other systems. They like it when their dice explode. <laughs> you know?
1: Right? Everybody everybody uh, likes that.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so it, it was just... Uh, created more, more fun at the table and more sort of big cinematic climactic moments. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on Savage Worlds
1: at this point. So, is this going to be your first setting that you've created?
2: Um, I was working on a setting uh, called Coven, which was about um, witches in sort of a, a historical simulacrum of Puritan New England. Um, and they were sort of working to usurp the social order and still working on that game and but i just got this notion for for holler and wrote you know several thousand words in a week and i i think this is viable right and i just got really interested in it because it is where i'm from uh the region's very important to me um the the history uh, the culture the folklore and i'd also teach uh appalachian literature at the university of mississippi i teach online classes there so i i just had when I was and I've had my players tell me like you should do something set in Appalachia because I'll try to get somebody in an NPC in uh with a southern accent at any opportunity, even when it's you know not a good idea for the setting it just happens they say you just need to set a game there and and do it and see see what happens so
1: <laughs> yeah I mean they, they do say like write what you know, and that that right. brings a certain level of authenticity, but the um it, it, it's amazing that we we'll have to get you guys, you hooked up with uh the blacks because they are in North Clalovvaki. Uh are they in South Southcock which one
2: I think they're in, north I think they're in north, yeah north yeah,
1: yeah, and, I taught it
2: uh, yeah, sorry, I taught at Catawba Valley Community College for four years, and I think they live not not too awful far from there. if I'm not
1: mistaken that sounds about right, I think you're right yeah. the um yeah, because they are they are the paragons of savage worlds, the first couple <laughs> and uh and it's funny, we just had um Charles White who's uh, now in South Carolina, but knows the Blacks and uh, out to he was at, at Genghis Khan, and um, he's great people. He helped us get published, and uh, so we're learning. We're taking what we learned from him and helping, uh, yeah, the local community get published. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, when you sent me your draft, I'm like, interesting holler. Okay, let's let's see. And the. It pulled me. I mean, beside, I mean, Fox definitely got pulled in by uh, the, the the tagline, but I think your your opening couple paragraphs is super evocative. Kind of, yeah, really pulls you into what this is going to be like. So, why don't you go ahead and give us a recital of, uh, of Holler's uh, intro?
2: <laughs> okay, sure thing. The old timers claim they remember when the rivers ran clear, forests deep, the earth produced bountiful food, and you could trust your kin and neighbors. That's before the four riders came, leering down from their enormous stallions, eyes aglow with fiendish light. The riders said they were prophets sent by the big boys from the city to spread the gospel of a new god, industry. They said we lived among natural riches that we could not understand and were incapable of harnessing for our own good. They said the big boys had decided to save us from our poverty and ignorance. The riders' voices thundered big as the sky, deep as the valley. The night winds grew with their declarations and gestures. The riders took their tent revival from town to town, promising a future of wealth and convenience. No more back-breaking labor in the fields, our crops at the mercy of the weather. No more ramshackle living with dirt floors and rotting roofs. No more sick children, no more loved ones dying before their time. No more hunger and no more grief. All we had to do was mark an X on a little paper, saying the big boys were welcome among us, were welcome to what was beneath our land, were welcome to our labor. And a right good many of us thought that that, that sounded just fine. A right good many of us had worked and suffered enough to scratch out the little bit of living we had. But deep down, we knew a devil's deal when we heard one. And when the writers came together in Galloway to sing the praises of the coming industrial utopia, Bascom Finley stood straight up in the middle of the sermon and said, flatly and firmly, over my dead body. That was all it took. The crowd set upon the riders with whatever was handy, pocket knives and pieces of timber, holy books and iron knuckles. It was a fight. The riders seemed to billow up larger than themselves, and the wind drew to them, and their hands might as as well have been claws, and their eyes bore right into your soul and we lost a good many folks. By the end of the night, it was a true fact that those riders were laid out in the street, each one dead as mutton. But another true fact is that before the last one died, before Bascom picked up a shovel to deliver the killing blow, that rider let out a bellful moan and spoke, as clear and unbothered as you please these words. I curse this holler, with a quandary of demons, neither bird, nor bush, nor butterfly, neither hope, nor joy, nor beauty, pit, and prison, and thump. Bascom did amen, but those words stayed in all that heard them, and all that didn't, and they are still inside us today. It wasn't long until the big boys came anyway. The mills went up, the mines went in, the days darkened, the mountains closed in around us. No way in, no way out, the big boys told us. They could come and go as they pleased, but sure enough, we could not. Any that tried disappeared into the trees or the mist or the maw of something evil. What could we do? We went to work for the big boys, into their mines and mills, into our woods to cut down the trees, into our mountains to blow off their tops and strip them down. We gave the big boys everything we had. They gave us little in return. The rivers ran sludgy and dark. What trees were left spit their leaves and shriveled. The ground gave bad fruit. Demons of every sort gibbered in the dark with their hungers and perversions. Folks changed. They became tough, mean-spirited, turned their anger on their kin and their neighbors and themselves. What could we do? We kept working for the big boys. We kept humming into the bottle or under our breasts. One day, Baskin's great-granddaughter, Delilah, gathered a group of folks outside of the Galloway Mill after a shift. She got right in the middle of them and said firmly and flatly, enough, we've had enough. This is what we're going to do. The other folks looked at her with dull eyes. One or two murmured a sense, there's been no doing yet. It's hard to rouse people who've had so much put on them. The big boys working on their minds every day, their bodies bound beneath the earth and forged to machines. The dust of years settles and settles. The dust of years covers everything that is, and everything that was, until there are those brave enough to wipe it clean away.
0: love it.
1: I mean, hot damn! That I, I can taste this setting. I can hear the, the 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 fiddle and the banjo wailing in the background. The uh, it's it's super evocative. I mean, it kind of. The only thing I can compare it to in role playing is maybe Dogs in the Vineyard as being just a you know a certain time and place that you never knew you needed this game, but right. when you hear it, like I, I want to play this, I want to I want to see, I want to hear the soundtrack. Uh,
0: yeah, this is my first thought was who would think that signing an X to a little piece of paper would cause bad things to happen? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on, just sign this. You you know, yeah, it's it's like, it's like it's uh, like. Do you accept the terms and conditions? Nobody reads those terms and conditions. They just hit accept. So yeah, you got the yeah. you got these four big boys to say, "I just put it next there. Everything will be fine. It'll be great." Yeah, I love it.
1: Yeah. So, so who are the PCs in this world? Who are the characters? What are the goals? What are the archetypes? Um,
2: they are sort of um, everyday folks from Appalachia, but that covers like a, a wide range. I wanted to get some of like the iconic occupations in the region, like the labor that people actually do. So we have miners. Uh, we have lint heads, which was a pejorative term that was used to describe folks who worked in a textile mill, because they'd come out of the mill and have cotton in their hair. Um, gougers. Uh, there's, there's a was a sport really popular in late 19th century America called rough and tumble fighting, where sort of like the, the best thing you could possibly do would be to gouge out your opponent's eyes. Um, we got uh, archetype called a Hellraiser, <laughs> somebody who just likes to have a good damn time, first to brawl, first to party, first to speak his mind. Um, moonshiner, uh, a granny woman, which is <laughs> sort of a very important cultural figure in Appalachia, like an old-time healer, midwife would deliver babies, um, a holy roller, bluegrass musicians, nice. um, and then things like the aggrieved mother, the family man, lumberjack. So yeah, um, and and the my, maybe my favorite is called the no account, the no account who just can't seem to get right. Right, uh, it's a term in Appalachia for somebody who's like allergic to to work, and just sort of lays around. But we trying to come up with a cool concept to take a character on the margins like that and turn him into a hero in some way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of want to go back and watch Justified. Mm-hmm. And Carnivale, an HBO show that was a little bit of a uh, Dust Bowl America with some you know kind of uh, m- you know modern magic tarot kind of stuff thrown in. Um, there's this great uh, movie about. Um, I, 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 I'd use my phone, but we're, we're calling on the phone, and I don't want to hear all the the advertisements <laughs> pop up. But it's um it's basically about a woman who goes into Appalachia to record the songs. She she has a
2: Oh yeah, song catcher,
1: song yeah. catcher, yeah, great little movie, and um, you know that that's just—I mean—all that comes flooding in on this game, and um, you know, I, I, I certainly haven't seen it done before, uh, and this is just so evocative. I, I you know, I want to, I want to play this. I want to, I want to see how this goes out. I mean, the, yeah.
2: um,
1: you know, for for the the mystical kind of elements, it seems like you know you got a little overtone. It's very human too. I mean, the, these are people. Um, you know, you're going up against, and and that's that's an interesting thing. I think the mm-hmm. uh, too often in, in in role playing we kind of um, yeah, we create monsters because then there's not a big moral question of of disposing of them to to solve problems. But you know, this just sounds so steeped in culture, and I mean, even a game you might learn something from. I mean, yeah, an actual um, you know, educational experience in addition to just a. Uh, are you saying edutainment? Edutainment.
2: <laughs> edutainment.
1: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh I think it's fantastic. So the um uh what what are your plans for publication? Are are you gonna do a plot point campaign? Um where do you think this goes?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm envisioning a, a plot point campaign, uh Savage Tales to go along with that, uh, a full setting. I'm working with uh Carl kiesler he's doing the layout, uh Rick Hershey is doing some of the art.
1: We've We're worked gonna... with both those dudes before.
2: Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. There's some definite crossover. Um and you know, first we'll we'll apply for a, an Aces license is, is in the plans, um, and then if we get approved, you know, just keep working, and when we get it close to being text complete, kickstart it. But yeah, I'm I'm gonna try to do a full a full setting.
1: Yeah, fantastic. And any, you know, any help you need, feel free. Uh, you know, that is our current mission uh, going forward is to. Uh, get as many of our you know friends family locals published as possible in savage worlds Yeah, you know we think we got a a special thing here and uh yeah. and hey you just show up off the radar and just you know bring this this amazing uh little little project so i'm excited to see this this go forward um yeah so yeah hopefully any help we can be by all means uh feel free to to you know drop us a line we'll help you get uh you connected to the right folks and you know, learn from our mistakes and all that good stuff. So. What, what's
0: uh, I awesome. didn't, the one thing I didn't see? Uh, what's the like the time um, frame on this? Is it 1930s? Is it current? What, what, when does it take yeah. place?
2: It's going to be sort of a roughly 1930s Depression era setting. Um, so, you know, you'll have. The only kind of car in the game was was like pickup trucks and jalopies. (laughs) Excellent. Uh, The two modes of transportation. So the think in the Depression era, that was also a time there were a lot of textile mill strikes um, in in that region. And, you know, you have like the Tommy gun at that point, um, which the the big boys and they have these guys called Kramer Holt agents, which is actually based on the, the Baldwin Felt Detective Agency. That a lot of coal miner, coal mine operators used to keep the the population uh, in line. They were from the detective agency, but they were really just sort of mercenaries. Muscle. And so so we wanted that sort of divide where some people have automatic weapons and then some folks don't, right? Um, And so another sort of uphill thing that the the characters have to to work against. They're on the the bottom side of the the technology scale. but
1: yeah, nineteen thirties. Uh, that's one thing I didn't see. I, I didn't see a moonshiner in there.
0: Yeah, there's. I'm looking at it right. Oh, you here. got it? Is yeah, yeah. And actually, it's right up here on my screen. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah. The moonshiner. I notice you've got uh, some pretty cool looking new hindrances. Uh,
2: yeah, I tried to try to get some setting specific uh, hindrances. One of them that you know sort of replaces habit and in, in the base rules is called clay eater. There are all these uh, legends about people from the region becoming addicted to eating clay. Like you can go read these articles from like the late 19th century where they were, we stumbled ac- across a strange village in North Carolina today. And the, the residents seem uh, lackadaisical and pale and have dark circles around their eyes. And so this is like, you know, a phenomenon that was recorded. And so I wanted to work that into the game because I thought it was... It might be a way to handle some contemporary issues uh, that affect the region like uh, opioid addiction, like the prevalence of meth, and turn that into something that's actually in the earth, right, um, that people get addicted to.
1: Yeah, uh, it's just so evocative. And I think the – I mean, clearly your scholarship shows here. I mean, it's a – um I think when, when you know when when you know people are there's just a certain heightened sensitivity anymore about um, you know riffing on any kind of cultural properties, and I think it's really done right here. You can just tell there's an authenticity. There you can tell there's scholarship. You can tell that there's um, even though we're gamifying things that there's just right. really kind of a um, a respect for. Um, history and then you know and the choices you make are deliberate and I think they're just fantastic i mean in the you know, the uh i I'm on the the uh, edge of the spectrum where it's like hey you know uh freedom of speech uh it's game you know do what you want mm-hmm. have fun, but i think the i think this this comes off um i think with a level of seriousness that actually makes it much more attractive as a game um I, well, uh,
2: uh, yeah, I mean that's a big sort of like uh, hesitation that I had because you know there is so much cultural mythology about Appalachia and so many stereotypes going, you know, going back to the B- Beverly Hillbillies. Uh, there's the MTV show, Texas T, Buck Wild, in Deliverance. You hear the duel in banjos. You know what that means, right? Okay. And I wanted to make a game that sort of engaged some of the iconic figures from the region, the folklore, the tradition, uh, but not make it like, all oh, these are a bunch of silly, crazy hillbillies running around. I wanted the, the folks to, you know, be heroes and be, like, complex uh, characters. So, yeah, that's something that I was thinking about, but I'm like, you know, I grew up there. I lived it. I've studied it my whole life, and I'm just going to give it a stab and see if I can get that tone right.
1: Yeah, and I, I think it's even very approachable from someone like, you know, I have uh, I've been around most of the country and not – the big gaps in my travel have been mostly in the south, and um, you know and I, I definitely need to rectify that. But the I think it's still very approachable, um, even without them. I mean, it, it, you know, it just comes off as I mean, we're we're going parody fantasy with SWAT, so I mean, we're like no holds barred. This is a joke, <laughs> right? We're not,
2: yeah, amazing. You know, yeah.
1: it's you know, this is a beer and pretzels game for SWAT. You know, we're not. You know, if, if, if anyone's getting steamed about it, you're just playing it wrong. But this just seems like you know. Uh, you're, you are stepping back in time you are entering like come on folks this is serious we're going to tell some deep stories here let's go and uh I, I, it's very i don't know it's refreshing uh to see this kind of stuff i mean i, I don't see a lot of this coming out in the rpg world and um you know uh, someone said of swat like this is the the uh you know uh cops uh lord of the rings you know mashup <laughs> i didn't know i needed this is yeah, the yeah. Appalachian elegy i didn't know i needed it. it's it's uh I, I could just—it's so like I want to write for this. I want to—I want to see the more of this. I want to hear the soundtrack. I mean, well, you're sense. welcome
2: to. <laughs> all right,
1: we we will get you some.
2: Yeah, we're welcome. Um, yeah.
1: No, by all means, the uh, uh, yeah, and it's crazy that I, I get your apprehension and going like, is this a product? Is this going to go? Is this going to sell? Because you know there are 500 people putting up dungeon crawl D and D open source stuff on online, and there are not 500 people putting out. Um, Appalachian Apocalypse games, right? And the right. Um, and even when, you know, that material gets touched, I mean, it's it's been touched a little bit in video games and, you know, obviously Walking Dead, um, being set where it is, you know, touches on a little bit of that. But, you know, often too much, you just get unnatural horror elements. You know, it is all, you know, uh, pretty mouth, skin flaying, you know, um, uh, over weirdly sexual, you know, consequence stuff. Um, right. And even Deliverance, I mean, Deliverance was written by a son of the South who became a poet laureate for the, you know, so I mean, the, the, the actual source material, um, uh, Dickey, I think is the name of the guy. Yeah, um, James Dickey, you know,
2: great great poet, great writer.
1: Right? And so, you know, yeah. there there is some, uh, that, that wasn't just uh, what they call it, Hicksploitation, um, no. but you know, you know and a lot of, met, met, you know, hand in hand with some of the, the exploitation kind of films, they're also like... Those are the first times these cultures make it into the national consciousness on a big right. way, so you know, there, there's a duality there. You know, it's not all just bad and mocking, uh, but I think we've kind of uh, seeing this is kind of we're past that in the sense that, um, kind of like Dogs in the Vineyard. I don't know if you played that, but Dogs in the Vineyard, um, mm-hmm. it kind of was a big and splashy, maybe a decade ago, came out for its its novel mechanics, its dice mechanics, um, but you play basically mormon jedi you are um in deseret and so it's you know it's in a mormon culture that never was but you you mm-hmm. play the religious code enforcers and you have to go from town to town um and then the towns like the you know, the basic mechanic is that um uh, apostasy leads to immorality and immorality leads to you know corruption by demons and the towns kind of go to crap and so you have to go back and and unravel you know why are the bad things happening in this town what what codes aren't being followed what um you know scripture isn't being adhered to and you kind of oh, unravel wow. and you can you can dial it up from actual demons to just um you know uh, bad things going on in the town but you you kind of play you you have your book and your gun and you play and you're the dog who's keeping the sheep in line and um and, you know interesting on just how it it, it determined it, it chose to take a specific time and a place separated enough from reality so you have a little room to play and mm-hmm. um and, and you know a lot of people jumped on like the dice mechanic and not a lot of people continued that same kind of uh narrative um, uh, advancement um idea and I think this is kind of a successor to that in a way where it's You know, you you take a very evocative time and place, um, has been done a little bit in pop culture and in movies and books, but not a lot in role playing. And then, um, I just think it's, I I think it's fun. I mean, I can, I can see, um, you know, building a character here that you want to know the outcome to, um, Mm -hmm. Versus, you know, like SWAT, like I mean, I, I don't know if anyone's going to get invested deeply in loving your characters. It's, you know, it's it's a it's a run around, make fun of stuff game. Um, but this this kind of reminds me, um, Neil Hyde ran War of the Dead, and we got you know played for uh, in as many months. You kind of get a, a connected to your character, and you you you've got this drama that you you want to see play out. And uh, I can see this setting being very evocative of that. I mean, just the the, the kind of archetypes you can pick, um, you know i i love some of those choices they're just like yeah no these these have not been seen in games because yeah, the- they're they're
0: real people yeah you know it's it's your 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 character as much as you can in a role playing game is it's more of a real person it's not a a fantasy archetype so I think I think that re- that will really help people to to get in into it as well so I love the fact you have i was just looking through the some of the other hindra i love feud uh-huh. You gotta have feud. I love that. I love whether that it's a major or a minor, and and you know the 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 player character can work with with uh, you know the GM to choose who are you feuding with. You know, exactly. so that I, I really like that. So,
2: yeah, we tried to do some things that would, in terms of the the hindrances and some of the the setting rules, to to push narrative as as much as possible, um, because we think you know this is this will be a narrative first game and a narrative heavy game and you know some of the new suede rules go go hand in hand with that um spinning the benny to change a narrative detail or insert a narrative detail um so yeah
1: yeah i, I yeah the few thing i saw that and it was like the um one of the settings we've pushed back a couple years um just because wise guys came out and um Love what Eric Lamoreau and Mornay are doing with that is um uh one of my ideas is called Vendetta and it, you know it's basically a mafia setting but it's kind of focused around that that feud uh, element and um so we figured uh, I I love that kind of element where you're bringing in with the feuds and that that was kind of very much in in in, in Vendetta um just to you know, how narratively could you play out a multi generational <laughs> family feud. And um, you know, I, I think in some respects, um, you know, America has uh, popularized and, and maybe mocked a little much the um, the Hatfields and McCoys, um, you know, as kind of a joke um, about about. Uh, I mean, you know, Looney Tunes got a hold of it, right? But right. the um, uh, I met one of the descendants of one of the families, and this was after an interesting article came out where they had done some genetic analysis. And apparently, on one of the lines of the families, they found kind of a uh, uh this isn't doing it justice, but you might call it like a, a rage gene and um nice. and obviously the the science of uh biological behaviorism is is very new and very controversial, but it was interesting just just um meeting an actual family member and, and hearing some of the 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 stories there and how those families even beyond the feud were also intermarried and connected and um you know just the the from a certain time and place in america that we we mythologize very much like we do al capone mm-hmm. um and uh and it kind of made it more real to me just actually meeting someone who was who was one of the the descendants and um so I think thats I think that's what makes it more interesting I think when you you know, when, when you get past the the pastiche of these settings uh that you know reach the the popular consciousness and and you get to some actual detail some actual culture um I mean I want to have a cookout and play this game with just you know like biscuits <laughs> and gravy and corn and just you know
2: i, I yeah you could definitely... Crawfish, yeah crawfish boil. <laughs> oh
1: do the boil oh my god you know just whatever it is the, the whole uh I mean, it's not even cosplay. It's just like it's such a cultural thing that mm-hmm. uh, it makes it incredibly fascinating for me. So,
2: yeah, we're going to have a little information on Appalachian dialect and, and phrases and and those kinds of things, which you know people wouldn't have to adopt certainly, but it, it'll be there as a as a resource.
1: I think that's why I wanted you to read that read the intro because I think there's a certain. I mean, you write very well, uh, but it's it's also these the, the little subtle things you pull in with the language and the. Um, you know, uh, aphorisms is the wrong word, but just the the, you know, the little dialectical things. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. I, I, I pinged you back about the term "big boy," and hearing you say it in context, I think it fits great. Uh, you when know, when I read it initially, it was more of a, uh, I kind of got a, you know, a who's a good boy kind of thing. And exactly. No, yeah, but when yeah, you exactly. when you say it in in you know, that just that right little twang and in context, okay. it, it really fits. It, it definitely fits as a. Um, a dual purpose phrase, as you said, both, yeah. you know, slightly mocking and, 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 slightly reverential. And, um, yeah, I love it. I, I mean, there's just, uh, I don't know. It's like dripping in theme. That's what I get out of the setting. It's like, it's just, there's so much, uh, to get into. It's not, you know, I don't think you wade lightly into this. I think you, no,
2: yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and we wanted to have that, that dual focus where like, if you want to have a campaign that's, that's based very much on, the labor conflict and trying to rouse you know the local residents to to strike and fight back against the companies you know you can play a campaign just about labor conflict but there's also all this stuff about Appalachian folklore cryptids hanks, the supernatural uh you know faith healers in Appalachia snake handling um there's there's a lot of room for mysticism too and so when the the big boys came The holler, which is how just I'm describing the entire region of Appalachia was sealed off. Like it's an extra dimensional realm <laughs> now mm-hmm. um, because I, I didn't want there to be like any escape from like whatever you did. I wanted those consequences to follow uh, the players. You can't just go across the country or say, I'm going to Detroit and <laughs> getting the hell out <laughs> of here. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to deal with, you know, what's happened and I think it's also like I don't know for me like a lot of folks uh, want to escape sometimes from uh, certain things poverty, abuse uh, you name it and and it's difficult to do and it seems like leaving would be almost impossible so I wanted to have that sense like we really cannot leave right and so the big boys come from the city and it's just the city, you know, as broad strokes as possible, because it's almost impossible to imagine it from that cultural position in that time in, in the setting. Or that's how I wanted it to feel like you couldn't really even imagine what might go on there.
1: Uh, no, I love that. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely fits. I mean, it's funny just going back, you know, and, and not to keep you know crossing over with SWAT. But the one of the funny things about SWAT was that the I had forgotten about the last chapter of the, the Lord of the Rings, where there's the scale. You know, uh, Scourging of the Shire, and it's
0: you know a, a very oh sorry folks spoilers
1: right. The uh, <laughs> if you haven't read it yet, uh, guys, um, but you know where where there's this literally you know the the, the kind of industrialization critique that that Tolkien gave. Comes to the for you know, foreground. I mean, it is very much anti-industrial, anti-modernity, and you know, the hobbits pay a price. There's this whole battle, where you know, thousands of hobbits die at the end of that book, um, you know, fighting off the last vestiges of, of this kind of industrialization, and mm-hmm. the and I, you know, I see those elements here as well, and the um, this is a similar time period. I mean, there, there is that kind of in that part in our history, whether it was here in the UK or in Germany or whatever. This this fear of traditions going the way under industrialization and you know lifestyles and qual and jobs and tradition just disappearing and that that fear of being forgotten and um you know along with kind of the um uh, uh the horror kind of you know in horror writing they say you know if you can don't show the shark you know uh, the right. The it's it's so much more powerful off screen. So I love the fact that the city is just the city. You know, it doesn't need to have stats and details. It's it is a unfathomable other that mm-hmm. is just a a looming negative force, kind of like death, right? You know, it's just right. it's 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 there waiting to change. To you know, uh, that's I think that's a fantastic choice. Um, and you know, and the isolation works too, because I think the you know, it's kind of the. In folklore, the hill people of all stripes, whether it's back in, in England or in, in America, this idea right. that it literally is a different world and that you can get mm-hmm. lost in it, and that it's not, you know, uh, the the road in and the road out uh, aren't necessarily the same thing, and then the. Um, I think that works. I think keeping this in the microcosm where it's not just, oh yeah, I want to go to the big city and get a bank loan and buy a bunch of guns and come back and solve this problem or whatever. You know, <laughs> right, like yeah, yeah. The, uh,
2: we'll take care of them.
1: Yeah,
0: it it would it would be too easy, like you said. And so I think I, I love that idea is that that you're taking that easy button away from the players. And and making them really focus in on that that one area where they're at, and how am I going to deal with what the consequences of what's going on, what I've done, what the big boys have done? Yeah, that's that's really very cool. Okay. So the uh, so uh, I know it's a little early to ask, but
1: the um, uh, after after this setting, you have any other uh, projects in the works? Any other ideas that are floating around?
2: Well, I. I do want to make my, my Puritan Witch game at, at some point. Um, I might do that one next. I have uh, a notion uh, for a game that's sort of a, a tribute to, to prog rock. Uh, <laughs> nice. A, and I'm, I'm trying to come up with some way where, like, the group is a is a prog rock band, but there's also interstellar travel um And I think you should have to make a concept album Um, (laughs) and that the the nine or 10 tracks of the concept album should be adventure hooks that after you make the album, then your prog rock band has to go and, and work their way through. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Something like that.
1: The adventure generator for that game would be amazing. (laughs) I can just see it. The, uh, similar, um, I helped out a little bit on, um, Rockopolis which is an okay. Italian game, which is similar in the sense that you play an up and coming rock band of any stripe. Um, you can, you can pick and you're kind of fighting, uh, against other, you know, battle the bands with other groups, um, nice. to get, you know, to, to get recognized. And it, it's got enough cheek in it, you know, cheekiness in it that you can definitely do the, um, you know, to go there a little bit, to, to take the, uh, you know, for instance, in, um, the adventure I'm writing for it, um, I figured it'd be fun because, it, because it is so different than standard role-playing. I thought it'd be fun to do a, um, a kind of fantasy crossover where the, the game is, instead of being live, the, they're at the battle of the bands and the, the drinks get spiked by one of the other bands. And so they're having a hallucination. And so you can kind of get one of these, um, uh, yeah, you know, there's some history of it you know, with a uh, heavy metal kind of did it where it's, you know, it's, it's, it's fantasy trip, kind of weirdness with you know the the, the music and mm-hmm. and so in, in in when they go on to do their set instead of being like a battle of the bands where they're, they're just winning by the music the the music and the lyrics they play are also the armies that they're putting on the field and the battles they're having so um you know, you know if you played war pigs you'd actually have you know a literal kind of transcription of you know, generals and, and, uh, the black witches around and, you know, pigs on the field fighting each other and all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah.
2: That's great. Right. Yeah, so,
1: yeah, I think there is room for fantastical musical or RPG stuff. Um, I'm all for it. Um, yeah. that's pretty amazing. The, uh, so yeah, you you told us a little bit before, but the, but, but the, um, you are actually a professor. You teach. So there's, this has got, this isn't just a fly by night, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, garden picking out some cool stuff. I'm like, you're actually a professor, uh, and that, you can definitely <laughs> tell by the writing, man, because some RPG writing is just subpar, and uh, your stuff just come, you know, pops off the page. So, what do you teach? Thanks,
2: Chris. I teach um, uh Southern lit. I teach Appalachian lit. I teach uh, creative writing too. I've I've been a you know, the the thing that got me away from from gaming in the first place is I got into like writing poetry and just sort of devoted my entire existence to the writing and teaching poetry and um you know i just was working so hard to like you know establish myself in that world and in the academic world and then you're teaching 150 students every semester um so not a lot of time for gaming but i'm, I'm just really happy that i've come back around to it and uh writing for games is like incredibly fun way more fun than routing poems
1: <laughs> <laughs> well now now you've so. got 150 play testers because you know it's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this class yeah. is gonna be a little different right, right? Yeah. The, uh, I, I think we need to get you and david garrett in the same room david's one of our uh friends and associates and uh he's also highly very well read very um well spoken and from the south and um nice. i think you guys would get along gangbusters um awesome. so yeah we'll have, have, we'll have to have a little uh a little like, gaming get together and maybe we'll record it but the uh, maybe we'll do a play test of, of the holler and uh, oh, that would amazing. be so
0: much fun yeah i want to i want i want to do that yeah let's get that on the calendar yeah, because that sounds fun uh so when uh do you kind of have uh i know some people hate this question and and you can say that you don't but do you have a timeline of when you're hoping to kickstart it and when you're hoping that that it's out to everyone
2: well, um I've got about 13,000 words right now. I think in the document y'all have y'all have y'all have everything that I have. Right, yeah. Uh, but I have a good bit of time set aside this summer to just work exclusively on the game and I think I can probably write the full setting by by the end of the summer. Nice. And and we'll see how uh, we're going to do a, a jump start. Carl's working with me on that and we'll see how that goes. I think so I I could potentially see this going to Kickstarter in, in the fall if everything goes smoothly.
1: Nice. Well, We'll be on the lookout for it. We'll definitely get some play. We'll try to get a play test recorded in for you. So you got that for the uh, the campaign. You could hear our our uh, silly asses playing. Uh, yeah. Playing let's,
0: let's 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 uh, get that together. Let's make that happen. And yeah, we'll record it and, and give you the audio. Oh, that'll be so much fun. Yeah.
1: Well, nice. Any any other questions you got for us? Anything else you want to plug before? Uh, we you uh, call it a day?
2: Uh, no plugging. I mean, uh, Twitter, I'm at OddBard. We have a, a website, OddBardGames.com. We don't have Holler stuff up there yet because we want to be a little further along before we, you know, start throwing stuff up on the website. But, yeah, that's um, that's the name of my LLC, right? It's uh, mostly me, but I have some friends who help me out as as well to Odd Games.
1: Excellent. That's perfect. Yeah, we'll put a link to that in our show notes. And uh, thank you, Tim. We appreciate it. Uh, You know, uh, blown away by seeing the the preview for this. Very excited for it. And I can't wait to meet you in person.
2: Yeah, awesome. Same here. And uh, thanks for having me on and talking with me.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, Cheers, friends. Guys, that's uh, episode 33 of the Savage Cast. Thanks again for listening. Fox will give us
0: where you can find us online. Yeah, so you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. uh, You can find the podcast on iTunes. Uh, Go there, rate us, give us a five-star review so that uh, other people can find us. Uh, You can email us uproar at savagecast.com we'd love to hear from folks uh show ideas questions things like that that we can bring in uh, to cover some topics that you all are interested in uh because that's what we want to do we want to give you guys uh what you want to hear so thanks again for listening to episode 33 of the savage cast on
1: behalf of tim early this is chris savage bull and christopher the fox uh savage mommy and uh we'll catch you all later